Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. Let me just start off by talking about the NFL for a quick second because I like the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars released Leonard Fournette today. Fournette, who they used the fourth overall pick on in the 2017 NFL Draft. Their star running back. What are they thinking? Listen, listen to what the coach said. Coach Doug Marone said, quote, At the end of the day, we feel the skill sets of the guys that we have can replace Fournette. And really, that's what led to the decision. What? This, this kid accounted for nearly 31% of your team's yards last season. 30.6 to be exact. He had a career high 1,152 rushing yards. Had uh, had 76 receptions as well. Coach also said that this move was strictly based on what he had seen on the field from Fournette during training camp, and it was not about any issues in the locker room, which is what would have been more likely because he was suspended once and also deactivated for another game as a rookie because of attitude and behavior issues. But what is this team doing? The only... I mean, they were going to be the worst team in the league anyway. They were probably going to go like 2-14. and 14. But now... But now... They have a shot to go 0-16. Like, seriously. You just, you just let your star running back leave. You released him. You didn't let him leave. You forced him to leave. Then... You, it was a couple weeks ago, very recently, maybe even this past week, you traded your star defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe, I hope I pronounced that right, to the Vikings. Earlier this offseason, you traded Kalias Campbell to the Ravens for a fifth round pick? I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It was either a fourth or a fifth round pick. It was so absurd. You got rid of AJ Boye. Jalen Ramsey, there was a lot of issues with that anyway. But this team went from being in the AFC Championship game just a few years ago to being just awful. I mean, the only logical explanation is that they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence. There's no reason you trade literally every single one of your stars and get nothing in return. That's the only explanation for this. Anyway, I thought that was a very head-scratching move. But let's talk about the NBA. Because it resumed on Saturday with Bucks Magic. The Bucks finished off the series in five with a 118-104 to win. The Magic were sent home about 10 minutes away to their families after the game. Rockets Thunder. The first half was even, 48-45 in favor of the Rockets. The third quarter is what made the difference. Houston now scored OKC 37-18. And look, this game wasn't really about how well the Rockets played. They played a pretty average game, maybe a little above average, besides that third quarter performance, which was fantastic. It was more about the struggles of OKC on offense. The Rockets left Lugan's door wide open in the corner, Not just in the corner, actually. Wide open over and over from all spots around the three-point line. And if you don't know who that is, Dort is a rookie. His name is Lugentz Dort. Lou for short. 
He is a rookie from Arizona State. He's a very strong, terrific defender. So good on that end, in fact, that he started every game this series and made things at least tougher than normal for James Harden. The numbers will say that Harden is still dominating, which he is, but Dort's defense and effort on that side of the ball are not to be overlooked. It's the reason why he's playing. His offense is a different story, however. He's not a shooter, not really an option on that side of the ball. Houston left him wide open from three repeatedly. He went 0 of 9 from downtown this game. Probably seven of those were completely wide open uncontested. He went 3 of 16 from the field overall. And he was being left open early in the game. Whoever was defending him just helped off of him and Dort kept shooting. And honestly, that's what screwed them over is the fact that he kept shooting. So many empty possessions. Yes, they were good shots, but he's such a bad shooter that it was a bad shot every time. (laughs) And that's what makes it tough on head coach Billy Donovan on what to do with him in terms of playing him because his defense is great. His offense is just terrible. But honestly, it didn't help that Shea Gilgis Alexander and Chris Paul combined for 20 points. CP3 with 16, Shea with the other four. But Shea just looked shaken on both ends of the floor. He defensively he couldn't keep up with anybody. And offensively, he was two for eight, oh four from three. He was just he just wasn't himself. And that's gonna happen because he's only in his second year in the league. Danilo Gallinari only had one point the entire game. He, I mean, he normally gives you 18 a night. Dennis Schroeder was really the only bright spot for OKC, but he got ejected midway through the third quarter. When P.J. Tucker set a screen on him, Schroeder ran into him and appeared to punch Tucker in a not-so-great spot. Tucker got mad and headbutted him as a response to the low blow. Both of them were ejected. And from that point on, the Thunder's only option on offense, only reliable option on offense for that game, was gone. Now, the Rockets replaced P.J. Tucker with Jeff Green, who has been playing really well in the bubble, specifically in the playoffs. Green finished with just 9 points and 10 rebounds. That was a below-average game for him. But the Rockets rolled on after that heated moment to win 114-80 to and take a 3-2 series lead. Russell Westbrook was back from his quad injury, just 7 points on 3 of 13 shooting in his return. He looked rusty. But again, this game wasn't really about how the Rockets played. It was more about how OKC played. Lakers-Blazers, Portland only had nine active players on the roster Sunday night. Damian Lillard left the bubble because of his knee, also still dealing with that dislocated finger. Zach Collins had a stress fracture in his ankle. Wendy Gabriel was supposed to start, but he was a late scratch due to a quad injury. And rookie Nasir Little was having problems with dehydration. So he was not active. Yet, they put up a fight. CJ McCollum, 36 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Carmelo Anthony, 27 points. Watching him and LeBron go at it again was so much fun. Year 17 for both of them. Of course, they were drafted together in 03. LeBron first to Cleveland, Melo third to Denver. But the supporting cast did not do much for the Lakers. Well, I mean, they didn't have to. LeBron and AD combined for 79 points. LeBron had 36, 10, and 10. Anthony Davis, 43, and 9. I mean, they're not going to play like that every game, so other guys are going to have to step up, especially against the Rockets, whose whose offense is as potent when it's rolling as any team in the league. And their defense, which, by the way, ranks first in defensive efficiency in these playoffs. That is their likely matchup. That is the Lakers' likely matchup, assuming Houston closes out the series either tonight or Wednesday against Oklahoma City. Celtics-Raptors. The Raptors look bad i'm just gonna say that they made the celtics look good although i think it wasn't their best game ever 
Toronto, 36% from the field, 25% from three. Fred Van Vliet, who has been their go-to guy on offense recently. Just 11 points, 3 of 16 shooting, looking like Paul George. Sorry, Paul. I, th- I-, I think you went 3 of 16 in one of the games. So it's fair criticism. But, yeah, he was not there offensively. And their poor offensive performance, specifically shooting performance as a team, really hurt them. Boston looked pretty good. Again, not their best game ever. Yes, six guys in double figures, but no one over 21. Jason Tatum had a below-average game, 21 points. He and Marcus Smart each had 21 but Toronto's shooting is really what lost them this game. They're going to have to step off offensively in Game 2 if they want to even this series up. Fred Van Vliet has to be better. Pascal Siakam has to be better. But I think the defending champs will respond and ultimately even this series at one game apiece. Clippers-Mavericks. Marcus Morris was ejected. We have a lot of ejections in these playoffs. Kristaps Porzingis, P.J. Tucker, Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Morris... Morris was ejected for a flagrant two foul on Luka Doncic. He came down on his shoulders and hit his head multiple times when Doncic was going up for a layup. But that didn't hurt LA, although Morris has played very well so far in this series. The Clippers closed out the Mavericks in game six by winning one or excuse me, 111 to 97. Kawhi Leonard, 34 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists, and five steals. First player since Gary Payton in 2000. With at least 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 steals in a playoff game. He continues to elevate his play in the playoffs as he's done over and over again. Paul George struggled again. 6 of 19 from the field, but Kawhi made up for it. Luka Doncic still amazing even in the loss. By the way, Chris Porzingis was out. He tore his meniscus. He was going to be done for the series, done for the season anyway. Doncic had 38, 9, and 9. He had an incredible first playoff run, although he fell short. We're going to be talking about it for a long time. 31 points, 10 rebounds, almost 10 rebounds, and almost 9 assists per game. Had that buzzer beater in game 4, scored 43 on a bad ankle, and he's just he's just 21. This is his second year in the league. This is a sign of things to come from Luka Doncic. I'm just going to say another year of those two, Porzingis and Doncic, is going to be really scary for the rest of the league. Look for Dallas to become a contender within the next five years, having those two young stars lead the way. Nuggets Jazz. Denver won their second straight game and forced a game seven. Remember, they were down 3-1 after four games. Jamal Murray, 50 points. 17 of 24 from the field. His second 50-point game of the series. Remember the 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 excuse me. Remember the multiple the multi-50-point games in a playoff series club that Donovan Mitchell joined earlier? Well, Jamal just entered himself into that club. And it is now comprised of him, Mitchell. Jordan, as in Michael Jordan, and Allen Iverson. And those two, two of those guys played in the same series. This series just keeps getting better and better. It looks like the Nuggets are ready. It looks like the Nuggets were ready to to take the series in game one. They go up 1-0 with a really good overtime win. And then Utah wins the next three games, and now Denver sends it back to a game seven with back-to-back clutch wins. And the duel between these two, Murray and Mitchell, has been the most fun thing to watch in this first round. Mitchell averaging 38.7 points per game this series. Murray, 34. He became the first player since Allen Iverson in 2001 with three straight 40-point games in the playoffs. This game was just like every other game in the series. Murray and Mitchell kept hitting their shots, specifically threes in the fourth quarter to keep their teams in it, but Murray just hit more he finished with nine threes 50 points could not be stopped 
Game 7 will be tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. on ABC. Everybody tune in. It's going to be amazing. I honestly can't predict who's going to win. Jamal is on fire, but Donovan Mitchell is on the other side too, so it's going to be a great game. Okay, I totally forgot to announce, and this, I, I apologize. I totally forgot to announce that Giannis Antetokounmpo won Defensive Player of the Year. He was named Defensive Player of the Year for the 2019-2020 season, and it wasn't even close. He had 75 first-place votes. Anthony Davis was second with 14. I, of course, as you may remember, picked Anthony Davis to win the award, and a lot of it was because I didn't think they would give Giannis MVP and Defensive Player of the Year because he's the obvious MVP choice to me. And that's not to say AD didn't have a great year on the defensive end. He did. I still believe with his stats, he should have won it. Not just because of the historic rarity of Giannis winning both awards. But Giannis, with him on the floor, the Bucks allowed just 96.5 points per 100 possessions, which is the lowest defensive rating of any player in the league who's played a minimum of 15 points a game. He allowed opponents to shoot just 36.5% from the floor. Again, the lowest of, player, of any player in the league. He led the league in defensive win shares and averaged a career high in rebounds, 13.6. Averaged, averaged exactly one block and one steal per game. So this wasn't necessarily based on the numbers because if it was, I believe Davis would have won. It was more about the versatility and impact Giannis had on that end of the floor. Okay, let's talk about Jamal Murray. As I mentioned earlier, 50 points in game six, 17 of 24 from the field, 9 of 12, 9 of 12, 75% from three on 12 attempts, 142 points over the last three games, the most in the playoffs since Michael Jordan in 1988. He and MJ are the only two players in postseason history with three games in a row of 40 points, of at least 40 points, five rebounds and five assists. I was talking about, I was talking all about Donovan Mitchell earlier, who was spectacular. Don't get me wrong, still is. But now we're going to give Jamal Murray the attention he deserves. This league is full of young stars. And now it's time to throw Jamal Murray into that conversation. Now, obviously, Luka leads the way, Zion. But then there's Ja, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, in no particular order, by the way. Devin Booker, Trey Young, Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns, and Jamal Murray. All these guys under 25 years old. And there's others like Bam Adebayo and De'Aaron Fox, but those eight or nine I mentioned before them are like the cream of the crop in terms of the future of the league. Jamal Murray is something special. He really is. He surprised me, and I think a lot of people with the way he's played. He is going to be a star in the future, probably an all-star. He's a star right now. In fact, he's playing like a superstar right now. Although, I don't think he could keep this up for an entire playoff run, or even all of next season but we will see games like this from him now more often and stars are made during the playoffs when they step up big time hit big shots and put up ridiculous numbers like Jamal has in this series for a while now we've been talking about how Nikola Jokic is the franchise how he's the best player in the future of the Denver Nuggets team and don't get me wrong that still is the case but Jamal Murray is better right at this very moment he's playing better and if he plays even close to this level from here on out the Nuggets have two definitive superstars. They have their one-two punch for the next 10 years. They have their duo. And Murray kind of always was part of that duo. He was just never he was never considered a star. It seemed at times Jokic had to do it all by himself, and Murray would step up here and there. He would go ice cold more often than he would go red hot. But now, Murray is the surefire second star in that duo. Jokic, I think, will always be the bigger name and, frankly, the better player. Jamal is just on top of the world right now. But having confidence in him now to contribute at a high level consistently makes things a lot easier for Denver. You know, like where 
like they know where the offense is going to come from now. Most nights previously, you would say, yeah, it's going to be Jokic. But if he has an off night, who's going to step up? Is it going to be Jamal? Is it going to be Gary Harris? Is it going to be Will Barton? Can Paul Millsap still do that when he's 36, 37 years old? But now, you know, it's going to be Mitchell and Jokic every night. And even if they're off, Michael Porter Jr. is stepping up big time. He's looking like what we saw from him coming out of high school. I think last year's playoffs in that first round series against San Antonio was a turning point for Murray. Game two, when he started off 0 for 8 through the first three quarters, ice cold, couldn't do anything. He was like a minus 18 in, in box plus minus or whatever. The Spurs had already won game one. They were up 1-0, and despite the position they were in, and despite how bad Jamal Murray was playing, and how well the reserves were playing, because they made a run to cut the Spurs lead to five at some point in the, Spurs, uh, in the third. Despite all of that, Coach Malone gave Murray the confidence and put him in for the fourth quarter, where he scored 21 points. The Nuggets erased the deficit, even the series and eventually went on to win the series in seven games. I think that was his turning point because from there on out in the playoffs, at least, he scored over 20 points 11 times in 18 games, at least 36 times. And yes, of course, the 40 and 50 point games we've seen from him this series. Ever since that call from Mike Malone to put the ice cold Murray in to save the game and really the Nuggets season at that point, because I don't think they would have recovered from being down 2-0, especially losing both games at home to start the series. That made all the difference for Jamal's confidence, and he has been a better player, a star, specifically in the playoffs, ever since, and we are seeing it in full bloom right now. Stay with me, because when we come back, there are a few individuals who I would like to talk about for a minute to wrap up. Welcome back to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. There have been a lot of losses in the basketball community recently. Cliff Robinson, an 18-year NBA veteran and all-star, died in his home on Saturday. He was 53 years old. The cause was lymphoma, reportedly. Cliff played most notably for the Portland Trailblazers, also put on a uniform for the Suns, the Nets, the Wizards, and the Pistons. He appeared in a record 761 consecutive games for Portland, still a team record. NBA Sixth Man of the Year in the 1992-93 season, an All-Star in 94. He was ahead of his time. He was a stretch four before it was popular. He could hit the outside shot, defends very well. All-NBA defensive second team twice, in fact. Famous for wearing the headband before it was popular. In college at UConn, Hall of Fame coach Jim Calhoun called him their first great player. This was before UConn had become a very good college basketball program. In fact, they won the NIT when he was there in 1988. Coach Calhoun also said, quote, he gave legitimacy to the program. As a player coming in, here's this guy playing on TV for the Trailblazers, watching him play, watching UConn being mentioned. You could not pay for the exposure that he gave us. Lute Olson, Hall of Fame head coach, died on Thursday. He was a college basketball coach, most notably for Arizona. Olson suffered a stroke last year and was hospitalized and was recently moved into hospice care. But he was, a very accomplished, as a, he was very accomplished as a coach, won Arizona's only national championship in 1997. That team included Mike Bibby and Jason Terry. Made 22 NCAA tournament appearances with the Wildcats. All other Arizona coaches have 11 combined, so double the rest of Arizona's head, coach, uh, head coaching history. He is one of 13 D1 coaches to take two different programs to a Final Four, Arizona and Iowa. 
He won at least 20 games in 20 consecutive seasons, one of five D1 coaches to do that. The others, Dean Smith, Coach K, Bill Self, and Mark Few. He was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2002. Also, we just got the news this morning that John Thompson, the legendary head coach at Georgetown, died at the age of 78. He coached Georgetown for 27 seasons and was very accomplished in his time there. First black coach to win a D1's Men's National Championship in 1984, that team led by Patrick Ewing. 20 NCAA tournament appearances, three Final Four appearances, 33 Big East tournament wins, third most in conference history, three-time Big East Coach of the Year, coached 26 future NBA draft picks, eight of those selected in the first round and two number one overall picks. Most notably, Patrick Ewing, who was the most outstanding player of that Final Four in 1984 when they won the championship. But also Dikembe Mutombo, Allen Iverson, and Alonzo Mourning, among the most notable players that he coached. He was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 1999. He ranks first in Georgetown history in wins with 596, NCAA tournament appearances with 20, Final Fours with three, and national championships with Georgia's only one. He played two seasons for the Boston Celtics in the 1960s, and guess what? The two seasons he played, he won the NBA championship. Chances are, if you play for the Celtics in the 60s, you won the championship. So that's pretty cool to be a champion every year you were in the NBA, even if it is only two. But John Thompson, a legendary figure, specifically on the college basketball stage, but also throughout the entire sport. Also, on Friday night... And this man wasn't really connected to the NBA. He, he was a fan, was a judge in this year's dunk contest, helped Victor Oladipo a few, few years earlier with one of his dunks in the dunk contest. On Friday night, Chadwick Boseman, the actor who starred as King T'Challa in, in Black Panther, also played Jackie Robinson in 42, passed away after a four-year battle with colon cancer at age 43. He never went public with his diagnosis, did all these huge movies in that time as well. He was going through chemotherapy sometimes while shooting these movies, having 15-hour sessions, 18-hour sessions of filming, I mean. It's, it's crazy. Completely unexpected. Again, nobody knew what he was going through. But what Black Panther did, what Chadwick Boseman did for society as a whole is really immeasurable. That movie was the first production with a predominantly black cast, black writers, and a black director. And that movie produced over $1.3 billion. It was huge for the black community. To see their selves portrayed in a way that they don't usually get to see. Chadwick Boseman meant so much to so many people. Gone way too soon at 43. So Chadwick Boseman, as well as Ludos Olson, John Thompson, and Cliff Robinson all passed away within the past week. We will end today's episode with a moment for, of silence for all four of them. <laughs> 